Xfinity is breaking the gig barrier with Wi-Fi speeds over a gig. It's more than enough speed to power all your devices. Introducing gig Wi-Fi, new from Xfinity. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two for five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's Single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's two for five. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's. Welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. This is Dave Ebert. And what a crazy summer it's been so far. It's been really hot. And in Chicagoland, it's never a dry heat. Uh, but uh, Gifts for Glory's improv ministry, we've had a really exciting summer. Went through a rebrand. We are now Well-Versed Comedy. And uh, you might have heard about that the last couple of weeks when we interviewed the members of Well-Versed Comedy. And uh, you can find us on Vimeo, which we're working to add more content there. But you can find us on Vimeo, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And we're all at the same username. It's at WellVersedCMDY at WellVersedCMDY, and uh, that is all one word, WellVersedCMDY. Also, at the time of this recording, we had just finished on Monday evening the first episode of His Line, uh, which is a Christian comedy show. We've got uh, stand-up each week, and then WellVersed Comedy performs improv for the rest of the show. It's a really fun time, and uh, we're really excited because we got to film the first episode Monday. We've got two more episodes coming up on July 22nd and July 29th. If you want to be a part of the live studio audience uh, on either the 22nd or the 29th in Lockport, email me at dave at giftsforglory.com dave at gifts, the number four, glory.com and uh, we'll try to get you RSVP for one of those two recording nights on Monday, July 22nd or Monday, July 29th in Lockport in the evening. Uh, Monday was a huge uh, blessing. We got to meet Eva the Diva, Eva Rue, who is our host, uh, and also our comedian for the week was L, and uh, that's what he goes by, the letter L. Uh, he was he was an absolute blast Monday night, uh, so we were definitely blessed to do that. Now, I want to ask you to do me a huge favor. I've been hitting on it a little bit here in this intro. Find us on your favorite social media platform, at WellVersedCMDY. That's at WellVersedCMDY. Give us a like, a follow, a share, and just let people know, hey, there's a great, clean comedy team in Chicagoland that's looking to entertain, whether it's for your party, your fundraiser, your church event, date night, youth lock-in, whatever you have coming up, whatever event that needs entertainment, we would love to be considered for that event coming up uh, because we do clean comedy it's family friendly we just want to bring the, the laughter and the fun to you so be sure to give us a like and a follow and let people know uh, that we are out here because we want to come out to your event bring the funny and just have a lot of fun because the world needs more laughter we need more pure laughter not the the mean vindictive mocking humor you might see on facebook and other social media all the time but we want to do the clean stuff the fun stuff what philippians 4 8 talks about you know what is pure and holy and fun all that that's what we want to do with well-versed comedy now let's get to our interview for all his flaws as i just brought up a moment ago 
there's all sorts of flaws, hang-ups, faults, and issues with social media, but there are some great benefits. I was able to connect with our guest, Eric Nevins, through social media. We're both in the Facebook group Christian Podcasters Association. Eric is the host of a great podcast called Halfway There. And today we get to talk about faith, the need for uh, more Christ-honoring media, and how the church could use some modernization to help reach the world, to get the message out there in a way that people are able to receive it. It was a really fun interview, and I'm glad that I was able to connect with this Midwestern brother. Uh, After you listen, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the Halfway There podcast, and also visit Eric's website at ericnevins.com, E-R-I-C-N-E-V-I-N-S.com. That link will also be in the show notes. And now let's go to our interview. Welcome to the Gifts of Water podcast. I'm Dave Eber, now joined long distance from Denver, Colorado, uh, Eric Nevins. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, we're bringing you on. Uh, you are the uh, host of the uh, Halfway There podcast. And as we just talked before we went on the air, uh, it's very similar to the platform that Gifts of Glory is, where we're looking for people who are using their gifts and talents and passions uh, to spread the kingdom, to advance the, the gospel. And what you're doing with half, the Halfway There podcast is bringing out people who are doing things that maybe are not getting a lot of notoriety, but showing basically is like a how-to of there are different ways to serve other than being in ministry or you know in the pulpit ministry or uh, working in the children's church, things like that. Um, so uh, first talk to us a little bit about how Halfway There got started and where the inspiration came from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so halfway there um, really started because I have a background in spiritual formation. So uh, the long story is I went to seminary. That's how we ended up out here in Denver. Went to Denver Seminary, got a Master of Divinity with an emphasis in spiritual formation. I've always kind of had that question, how do we grow as Christians? Because it didn't always seem obvious to me. It seemed like at church we were getting a lot of teaching a lot of Bible study and prayer. We'd tell each other to do that, but we didn't always, I didn't always see the kind of growth that I was expecting to see or the kind of changes that we'd see in people in the New Testament. So that concerned me and mm-hmm. seminaries where that ended up leading me. So fast forward to I graduate in 2009. Um, it was very, it was kind of the top of the downturn or bottom of the downturn, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have a ton of experience. And so I didn't really have any kind of ministry opportunities. Um, I probably could have gone somewhere to rural somewhere, you know, um, which would have been fine. But our kids started to have relationships and they were in school and they were in good schools. And it just never was anything that I felt really especially called to. So that was worth moving our family for. Right. So um, I worked in banking forever for a long time and uh, was bored. and angry <laughs> for a while. Um, and, but I discovered, I, I switched jobs to a job where uh, when I was on the phones, I read blogs while I was waiting for phone calls. But I switched to a job where I had to actually work all day. And so I had to click on things. And so I switched to podcasts and I discovered podcasts about 2014. And I found that I really loved not just the format, I loved the opportunity to, to speak and, and kind of get things out. Um, all kinds of different different shows, um, and I started to think, hey, I should do that and take my spiritual formation background and to use use that to kind of do something. And so it took me over two years to start halfway there, 
Um, so if you're out there and you have a dream, don't give up on it. Just keep going. Take the next step. That's what I had to do. Um, and little by little, um, it came together. The name halfway there, people always ask me about that. It's kind of two parts. One, it's uh, a little hat tip to Bon Jovi because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who doesn't like Bon Jovi? And then if you're singing that song, you're going to remember the name. Right. But also, um, it's to, to say that, hey, if you're on a journey, then you, like the spiritual journey is never finished. We're always going to be kind of halfway there. Um, it's kind of trying to dispel the idea that, oh, well, they've arrived. You know, we always think we're going to arrive somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's demonstrably untrue. Right. And uh, the Bible constantly teaches about, like Paul talks about, you got to finish the race. And Jesus says, he who endures to the end, only God knows where the end. So we might as well consider we're halfway there. Uh, throughout right. our, our entire journey. So it's it's a very cool double-layered name. And of course, anybody that's over over 25 is going to know, oh, oh, we're halfway there, living on a prayer. Right. right. I, I'm not yeah. even going to attempt to sing it. So that's, that's what I try to <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I wish I had the guts to like license the song and mm-hmm. put it in in the episode, but I don't know how much that costs and I haven't been that profitable yet. So when we get there, (laughs) maybe I will. Well, you're halfway there. Halfway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what you need to do is you need to find somebody that's, uh, uh, you know, up and coming to do a cover for you. Yeah. I still think you have to license it from Bon Jovi from whoever there. Oh, the writer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Very cool. So it took you a couple years to get started. So, um, just like with Abraham, the promise of, of having very fruitful uh, legacy, it took a while to get there. Um, were there. Was there any moment of discouragement where you thought, maybe I'm missing it, maybe I do need to just be happy here in the banking industry and, and put this on hold? Oh man, all the time. <laughs> all the time. So in 2014, that was really a, a kind of seminal moment for me because I had made the decision to go ahead and study to get my stockbroker's license. And which is, so it, my company, they wanted you to get a series seven and a series 63. So if you don't know how that works, you basically have to take a big test um, to, to get those licenses by uh, FINRA. And uh, then you can sell securities and whatnot. And so at, at the company I was at, they very wisely use those two things as a sort of gateway. So you can't move up, you can't go anywhere. Um, without having them, which makes sense if you want to be in that industry. I simply, um, so I finally had given up. I'd say, well, you know what? If I'm going to be here, I may as well go ahead and just uh, do the best I can because I have leadership ability and I knew I could move up if I wanted to. I had people telling me that. Um, and that'd, be, that'd be fun, right? That'd be good. At least it'd make more money, et cetera. Uh, I studied. I read the whole book. It's like this huge book. I mean, just a massive book. And then I started taking the tests, the practice tests that you do to get there. And I realized that they're all, I'm a good test taker. My whole life, I've been a great test taker. Mm-hmm. And I was getting them all wrong because they're trying to confuse you. They're trying to get, to get you little words, one little thing, two answers exactly the same, one little thing different. It's just really annoying. And I realized that an industry that has to do that in order to keep people honest was not one I wanted to be part of. Mm. Uh, that, and that was when I kind of, had this moment, I just went, you know what? Uh, this is not, not in my heart. It's not something I want to do. And that was the beginning of lots of things in my life. But one of them was realizing that 
I have to be aware of my heart and kind of what's happening in it um, and who I really am. And then I'm sort of heart driven. So I don't know if you do a neogram at all, but I'm a four on the neogram, which is a four type or a heart type. So hmm. um, I had to just acknowledge that. I spent a long time trying to be a head person, trying to tell people what to think. Um, and that decision really propelled me to stop doing that and to start connecting on a different level. Yeah. I uh, took the Enneagram, I think about a year ago and I, I think it was a two. I can't remember what that was, but I remember that was yeah. a two. You're a helper. You like to help people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my blessing and curse is the, uh, the desire to help and, and serve. Right. Cause I'll never say no. <laughs> right. I get that. So that, that's where I need to develop the head thing. It's like overruling the heart because, oh, the head handles the logic and the scheduling. Right. Yeah. When, when can I say yes? You got to develop that rubric, right? So that you know. Mm-hmm. You can it. I think what I need to do is just filter all that through my wife, who she doesn't mind telling people no for me. So that'll help. <laughs> there you go. So we've got uh, um, you know, a two-year process. Um, how does... Uh, your family supports you in this? Were they kind of against it or did they not understand it? Where did they stand during this whole process? Yeah. Well, my wife was very supportive because she had the misfortune of living with me while I was uh, going through that whole time, <laughs> you know, wondering what's happened. You know, I went to school. I spent, I literally spent nine years trying to get a three-year degree. So to not get a job in ministry was a little disappointing. We're like, what's going on? Um, and so she was like, just do anything, like figure it out. Um, but she was also very supportive. She gave me a lot of time to kind of hang out with people or figure it out and listen to my complaining. Um, that was, that was really good. My, uh, the rest of my family didn't quite understand it and I'm not sure that they do yet. I don't think they get, um, I think my dad was trying to be helpful. He at one point asked me like, well, who's going to listen to this? I think he was going to ask my audience. I was like, what do you mean? Everybody wants to listen to it. Not necessarily, but we've done okay. So that's, that's a good thing. So as you're uh, building this, what, uh, how did you choose your, your guests that you got going with uh, the Halfway There podcast? Was it mostly people you knew or did you start taking risks and ask people that you had no connection to? Mm, well, both. So I started just by asking people in my church, people who had either shared their stories in church or who I knew. Like my very first interview was um, with a woman named Carolyn. She is... Um, probably one of the closest people to Jesus that I know, right? Like she's amazing. And so one thing I was trying to demonstrate with halfway there is the um, spiritual journey and kind of the different stages of the journey and how we go through them and how there's ups and there's downs and it's not necessarily linear. Uh, and so she had a great story for that. In fact, we had to do the episode twice, the interview twice, because I forgot to um, record. I hit, I armed the, thing but i forgot to hit the record button to go oh man 45 minutes later and <laughs> i was like oh no it was so embarrassing but the second time it was better so that was good i guess i got an extra practice run in and shoot <laughs> <my patient. laughs> um but so that was kind of the beginning you know just trying to interview people that i knew or people who had some some sort of interesting story um i remember the first time i reached out to somebody who i didn't really know they were in a group a uh, mutual group on facebook and they said, yeah, I finally accomplished my goal and published a book. And I said, oh, that looks interesting. Um, his name is Richard Jacobson. He wrote a book called Unchurching, which is uh, kind of an interesting take on the home church movement. But he, um, so I reached out to him and I'm thinking, oh man, he's never going to say yes. 
but he did say yes. And I was like, holy cow, that's, I can't believe that. Okay. So he was just thrilled to talk about his work, sent me a copy, I think. And um, I was like, that's awesome. So I started, um, I started reaching out to people and then it wasn't too long and people started reaching out to, to me. And I think some of those people were Richard's friends. Uh, and then we had other, uh, other people as well. But that actually, that networking aspect of podcasting has been my absolute favorite part of, of it because it's really fun to meet people. Which uh, as it was right into my next uh, question, our next uh, topic was wanted to talk about uh, the Christian Podcasters Group. Um, you're, are you the founder or was that something you just became an admin on? No, I actually founded it. So when, a couple of years ago, this was in 2017. So I've been doing this almost a year and I uh, was in another podcasting group and somebody mentioned, I think I said something on a comment somewhere. I wish there was a Christian group for a group for Christian podcasters because all the groups on Facebook at the time were very um, link droppy, if you know what I mean. So they would be like, they wanted you to just share your episode and leave. They don't want any conversation. That's it. In fact, I got in trouble. One guy reached out to me and was like, hey, don't do that. When I asked a question trying to connect with people, <laughs> and I was like, this is not what I want. Okay. So I, I said, um, and another guy named Phil Gothier, he, he, reached, he just commented on that and said, man, I would love that if something like that existed. So we, I started talking to him, found out he lived in my hometown where I'm from uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. And so we kind of had this connection. I said, dude, let's start this together. Let's just do it. And he said, sure. So started the group with him. He's since stopped podcasting. So I kind of run it on my own, but um, I was really just looking for a way to connect people. That's why it's called Christian Podcasters Association. The idea that we're just, um, it's not just a community. I just, I've actually recently decided I'm not even going to try. Um, it's one to teach the podcasting stuff anymore. Like there's some of that that we can do tips and whatever. But my real goal is to just connect us Christian podcasters. So you and I met through that group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on your show. You're going to be on my show. We're going to help each other. That's what it's really for. And um, maybe there's other people who have ancillary podcasting things. That's okay. But mostly I just want Christian podcasters to know each other and help promote one another's work. That's the goal. Especially, and I don't want to uh, delve too deep into some of the political waters, but it seems like there are voices working against Christian voices, uh, politically conservative voices. And so it's important for us to support each other and, and have that community to support one another and get that voice, those voices out there. Absolutely. We're all in the same boat. Um, I'm a firm believer that um, I guess we'll keep the boat analogy going. The rising tide lifts all boats, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like people can listen to your show. They can listen to my show. Um, and, we're not really competing, you know, we're just, we're helping and we're all for the kingdom of God. And so it doesn't actually matter, um, you know, who has the most downloads. What matters is, is the kingdom going forward. Exactly. Precisely. So let's go back a little bit and uh, let's find out a little bit about Eric and, and uh, your walk with the Lord, if you don't care. We'll talk about, um, you know, how you, how did you come to your own relationship and your own decision with God? Yeah, seems like it's been an interesting, interesting journey in some ways, sort of vanilla in others. Um, I really grew up in a Christian family. Um, my family, like my, all my grandparents uh, are believers. Um, so we grew up going to church. I 
was one of those kids who gave his life to Christ very, very young. Um, and I, I remember even you know, being very zealous in high school, wanting to share the gospel with people. Um, that's how I met my wife. We were in a Bible study together in high school, sponsored by my uncle. Nice. Who was a teacher at my school. Um, so that was, yeah, so that was kind of, kind of my story. I think where it, where it really got to be personal for me though, was in that was in a season of really spiritual dryness and, um, kind of hitting the wall, you might say, or a spiritual desert when, um, so after I went to school, my wife and I got married, we went to school in Chicago. Um, and then I guess kind of, I started seminary and this is right. So right around 2002, a bunch of things happened. So my parents got divorced. Mm. My in-laws were kind of homeless or jumping around a little bit for a while. Uh, we had a daughter and our relationship was a little, you know, not, not great. I had a lot of maturing to do. Um, and I figure out there's something else. There were a number of other things that were happening. And so all of that, I look back at it now and I go, well, no wonder, like no wonder there was a lot happening there. No wonder it was a hard time. Um, but I didn't get that at the time. And so I ended up taking a break from seminary. Uh, it turned out to be three years and two kids. And uh, that, that season, there was a time in there where I actually um, had to just surrender to God and go, you know what? Okay, whatever you want. Like, I'm sorry. You're like, you know, this is, I just repent and be, um, and, and just surrender to him. So that was, it was a hard season, but it was a good season. Yeah. And definitely we have all these outside things going on. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, your parents' divorce and these things. So it's very hard to, um, to sometimes go through that and not come out you know, rejecting God, like, God, you know, I've never done anything wrong. Why, why is this stuff going on around me? Why is it, you know, why is it here? And then, but like you said, it, that's where you find that spiritual strength of, is my foundation really on a rock or is it built on sand? Right. Yeah. The spiritual desert. So I know this now, I didn't know it at the time, but the, right. the spiritual desert or the wall um, is one of those times that God uses to take things out of us. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to bring us to to a place of knowing him differently, that's good, but it's painful. And so anybody who tells you that that you can come to Jesus and your life is going to be all good is lying to you. Like that's not what happens. No. <laughs> that's not how this should go. Um, it's generally harder, and it may not always be harder. You'll have sweet times as well, but there are seasons like that. Mother Teresa once said that she only ever felt the presence of God for one month of her life. Can you imagine that? Mother wow. Teresa, one month. That astounded me. And that's not very hope-giving for many of us that <laughs> are, are very needy. Uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, I go a, a week without some affirmation from God. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Where do you go? You know, what, have you given up on me already? Or, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So, and it's very, well, I hope uh, it's encouraging because... You know, I, I think it tes- testifies some to her character to to say to keep going and doing the work that she did uh, while while having that experience. But I think it's also the the good news is that God actually is very uh, compassionate and generous to us if we just keep seeking Him. He wants to have that relationship with us. That's the whole point. And so, 
um, even if that's where you are, the good news is he will meet you in that. Exactly. And he's also very generous in giving what you need. So yeah. Mother Teresa said that she only felt it for that short period of time. That's all she needed. And that's not to you know, lift her up and exalt her, but that's just saying that she was strong enough in her faith and her following of Christ that God's like, you only need this because I trust you. You've got this. Do what I've called you to do. And you know, she's got her reward now, so that short time on earth means nothing now because she's in his presence. And, you know, God is very good at giving you what you need and knowing that, you know, certain people are wired where they need that affirmation and they need that that presence a little bit more and a little bit stronger than others. So it's, it's that thing where God works in mysterious ways because he knows the end from the beginning and he knows each each of us individually because he built us. So it's just really interesting to think that um, God knows us so intimately that um, that he gives us what we need as we need it. Amen. I love that. And uh, the, the, you, a moment ago, you brought up the point that uh, following, you know, being a Christian, following Christ isn't easy. And um, it really isn't because Christ was very clear that, you know, he, you know John 3.16 gives us the love and God is, you know, sent Jesus as his only son. But we also forget the 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 flip side of the coin, which is Luke nine twenty three. If you're going to follow him, you got to pick up your cross and die. Which you're know, picking up the cross isn't just wearing a crucifix around your cha- uh, your chest. It's literally being willing to die for what you believe in, uh, dying to yourself, dying to your wants and desires because of a greater good for the kingdom. So Jesus, yeah, was very I'm convinced. Clear. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm convinced that what that means is that that's this a sort of um dying to the false self have you mm-hmm. have you ever heard run into that word the false self that phrase i've not i'm not familiar with it. it it's a spiritual formation term a lot of the um spiritual formation saints or gurus we can call them whatever we want uh through the centuries have used it and uh that that process of losing your false self of kind of giving up the, the masks that we want to present to the world and the ways mm-hmm. that we want to appear in order to appear like we have it all together. Like we really love God or whatever it is, uh, you know, all those kinds of things that we put on when we go to church on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, taking those things out of us is the process. That's what the spiritual deserts for. That's what um, I think sur- taking up our cross is. Mm-hmm. painful and it's hard but it's also really good because when you move into that season of um, I call it finding yourself in Christ where you stop um, maybe trying to be who you're supposed to be and start being who God made you to be that's a big moment in your life super important and um, I think ultimately is what God wants for us he wants us not to be um I got to be careful how I say this. He wants us to not be just like Jesus was. He wants us to be like we are in him. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because we all have a, a different purpose than even what Jesus had in his 33 years on earth. And we're, we're called to do even greater things than he did. Right. Um, so we can't be exactly like Jesus, but we have in deed and activity and mindset, but in heart and devotion to the kingdom, that's where our lightness in Christ should come from. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
We'll get back to our interview with Eric Nevins, and uh, you can find him and more about him at ericnevins.com, E-R-I-C-N-E-V-I-N-S.com, ericnevins.com. Also, be sure to look for his podcast, Halfway There, on your favorite podcasting platform. But first, I have to make sure to tell you about two huge comedy shows coming this summer to Cross Point Church in Lockport, Illinois. First, on Friday, August 16th, join Matrimony. Uh, Matrimony is the team of my beautiful wife, Bobby, and me, as well as Well-Versed Comedy for a night for the whole family. Come laugh with us. Tickets are just $15 per person through Eventbrite. And each ticket also includes a ticket to PureFest, which is our second and biggest event of the summer. PureFest takes place Friday to Saturday, September 27th to 28th. And that's also going to be at Crosspoint Church in Lockport. What is PureFest? It's Chicago's faith-based improv and sketch festival, as Christian performers and troops will come to Lockport from all over the nation. We have Austin and Lib Presents from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Matrimony, Well-Versed Comedy, also have Alan Atwood from Morningstar Productions up in Milwaukee coming, with more teams to be announced. PureFest is for performers, so if you're a Christian performer or a part of a Christian theater team, We'd love to meet you and love to see if you can make it and perform at PureFest. Also, PureFest is also for families who are looking for a fun day of live theater. Get more information for both events on the events tab at www.giftsthenumber4glory.com. Giftsforglory.com. And also check out more about PureFest on Facebook. They're at, at PureFestChicago. That's all one word, at PureFestChicago. Now we'll be back with more of my interview with Eric Nevins, host of the Halfway There podcast, in just a moment. And thank you so much for checking out the Gifts for Glory podcast. It's our gifts for His glory. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. You go through all the, uh, the ups and downs, uh, the divorce of your parents, um, then uh, the struggle of trying to find out, what do I do next? And uh, we, we did talk a little bit about it before, um, about getting into podcasting, but what else did you try? Uh, you tried the banking industry, tried different things, but nothing felt right. And uprooting an entire family that you did the right thing. You relied on God and not a whim in choosing that. Talk when you kind of walk us through that last little period from graduating, uh, seeing all these different things, and then uh, moving into up to Denver and starting your new uh, venture. Yeah. So I um, found, I discovered blogging right around then. So it was 2009, I graduated. So right in there, I discovered blogging. The internet was kind of beginning. Social media was starting right in there. The iPhone was coming out. And um, I was kind of enamored with that. 
I thought that's, that's really cool. I want to do that. And at the time I was like, well, what can I, what can I blog about? And I started to blog about Christians and politics. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I was just trying to take everybody off, like just what, <laughs> whatever I could do. And it turned out um, that I didn't have that much to say about Christians and politics. It was, um, I was, I was pretty conservative. I'm still fairly conservative politically, but maybe for different reasons and a little more liberal in some other ways. But um, I, I just quickly found myself saying all the same things that I was reading everywhere else mm-hmm. and it not really doing too much good. But along the way, I discovered this really magical thing uh, called, um, well, called like advanced copy. So like I could go to a, a publisher and say, hey, I would like to review this book on my blog, and they would send the book to me for free. Wow. I thought that was fantastic, right? They'll do this. I'll show you how after we get done here. But, <laughs> um, it's fantastic. So, uh, like for one of the books that I got was a book by Oz Guinness. Do you know Oz Guinness? He's a kind of philosopher guy. One of his most famous books is called The Call, but he's sort of, he's Irish, so he's related to the Guinnesses who started the uh, wonderful brew. <laughs> and uh he but he is kind of a philosopher and so he's written a number of books now about uh freedom and liberty and this book was called a free people's suicide which is kind of a provocative title it comes from a quote by abraham lincoln who said uh, something to the effect of if liberty is to die it'll die by our own hand and uh, so he was saying hey this is happening if we don't pay attention to what's happening in america and I read the whole thing, pretty heady and philosophical. But at one point, he talked about how the founders knew that the entire thing rested on the character of the people. Like the whole constitutional experiment in the, of the United States depends on the character of the people of the United States and the people in, in government. Because the reality is if somebody, say a president or whoever, wants to do something and nobody say if Congress won't check them or the Supreme court won't stop them or somebody in their cabinet won't say, Hey, no, you can't do that. They can do whatever they want. Right. The piece of paper isn't going to stand up and stop. It, right. they, it, you have to be willing to be limited by, by what the law says. Um, and that really was for me, I don't know why, but it was just like this light bulb moment. And I started thinking about what was happening at the time. Uh, the, gay marriage issue was, was getting to be a really big deal. And I started looking around and I thought to myself, okay, here's what's happened in the last, um, let's say 10, 10 years or 15 years at that point, uh, is the conservative side spent millions of dollars, thousands and thousands of man hours to pass laws in 30 States. Now that was, uh, so that 30 States in California twice, that's enough to put, an amendment onto the U.S. Constitution. So that's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of work. Okay, so they, they did that. All of it, every single penny, every single moment was wiped away with the decision of five people. Mm-hmm. Because that was what mattered was what the Supreme Court thought. Um, that is kind of, kind of sad to me. Uh, but then so I looked, okay, so what happened on the other, other side of that issue, regardless of where we are? Uh, well, they did things like they told stories. They um, they made Will and Grace and Brokeback Mountain in Philadelphia and all these other stories that um, that at least 
made it less uh, troublesome, right? In people's minds as they got to know uh, gay characters. Interesting, right? So they, they literally changed the culture by telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me. And I made the decision. I, I was really bad at telling people what to think. And that was true when I preached. That was true when I tried to blog. I just am not that persuasive. But what I love to do is I love to ask questions and I love to, um, to get people to, to talk to me and then, and then listen and get them to tell me a story. And so that's kind of how I, when I, once I discovered podcasting, um, why I went the direction I did. There's a lot of um, teaching podcasts. The top 10 in iTunes in the Christian category are all teaching teachers and preachers. And someday I'm going to dominate that list with story podcasts. We'll see. But um, that, it bothers me. No wonder people think we're preachy if that's all we're putting out there. Let's put out some stories. Let's tell about the power of God in our life and see what happens. Um, so anyway, that was kind of between 2009 and 2014 when I, when I made that shift. And Jesus, he taught in stories. He taught in parables yeah. constantly. Uh, the Bible is told in very much a narrative form in many places. There, there's poetry, there's narratives. So there's nothing wrong with communicating the story of God, whether it's a personal testimony or the Bible itself in a narrative form that's going to engage and entertain and, and cause the brain to work the way it's designed to work. So there's nothing wrong with it. And we need more of that because especially in our society, that's so entertainment driven, we've got to somehow get the word of God into the minds that are designed now to receive entertainment. Right. And as attention spans get shorter, you know, that also we have to factor in. I'm convinced right now in the information age, what has happened in, in our lifetimes is information has become very cheap. Do you remember, you're a little younger than me, but do you remember the Encyclopedia Britannica? Like people would come around to your house and try to sell you an encyclopedia Yeah, because uh, it, was, it was a pain to go to the library or whatever. Uh, and so you'd pay a thousand dollars for, you know, 26 bucks or whatever. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, information is cheap today. Information is cheap. Experiences are expensive. Mm-hmm. And so if we uh, don't take that seriously, and particularly I'm thinking about on a Sunday morning, mo- like most churches right now are set up to be an information delivery system. That is a problem. That is 20 years from now is not going to work. We need to be thinking about how are we going to create experiences with pe- for people with God that they can take and use in their daily life and not just not just the information. Discipleship is way, way more than information. And, and for anybody that's listening that might, you know, be clutching their pearls or like getting uncomfortable <laughs> in their seat, we're not Send talking, right. It, it, we're not insinuating watering down or, or uh, somehow weakening the power of the gospel or, or sugarcoating the gospel. We're talking about creating it in a more palatable way for today's society. Because if you look at Paul's writings, Luke's writings, the disciples, when they wrote, they wrote to their audience. They didn't write in the old Hebrew and force people to try to palate what was beyond their, um, uh, beyond their culture. They spoke to their audience. And that's what we as the church, the universal church has to do is speak to our audience in a way that they're going to receive it. Because what, what good is it going to do if we're giving them a message that they don't understand? or they can't receive. Right. Exactly. And I think it's totally true. Jesus, Jesus spoke in parables for a reason. 
there's a reason that good chunks of the Bible are narrative. That's just how the human brain works. And we need to take that into account. And it's never been more true, which is funny. We, we sometimes think of old tribes, you know, prehistoric tribes sitting around a campfire telling stories. What do you think your television is, man? <laughs> like, right. That's what that thing is. That's what it's doing. And so that's, that's we just got to take advantage of it and take it seriously and do it well and practice, you know? And you think about the disciples, they traveled with Jesus all over the countryside for three years. They, you had to imagine there were thousands of nights or well, not thousands, but you know, there are hundreds of nights where they would sit together around a campfire and telling stories about their lives, about the time that Peter caught a boatload of fish that he wasn't expecting or this and the other thing. And of course, you know, there's the teaching that Jesus did, but there's also the relationship there. And I think that that's one of the things that the, the growth of the megachurch is starting to hurt is there's less of that discipleship you brought up. Uh, there's less of the relationship. So it's not only creating a palatable modern message using the truth of the gospel, but it's also discipling and building a relationship. I think those are, are just as important as the gospel because when you combine it all, that's how you make the disciples as Jesus instructed. His instruction wasn't to go build churches, go and make disciples and baptize them. The, uh, the original MLM, multi-level marketing, you get your team together, they get their team, you get their team, and everyone's getting the same reward at the end. Right. Everyone's getting the, the Mary Kay pink Cadillac at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I was always a little attracted to those, although not, uh, not enough to actually do it. Right. Because well, I knew I couldn't make it. My wife uh, does Mary Kay, and I keep hoping that she'll get the Cadillac so we can roll in, uh, in style, but that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, so, uh, Eric, we're going to uh, wrap up, and uh, what I do at the end of every interview is what I call the interrogation. I give you seven quick-fire questions. Uh, some are kind of lighthearted. Some may be a little bit more challenging, uh, but nothing to embarrass or harm. Um, just something to kind of have fun, kind of a, a last get-to-know-you thing as we wrap up. So the first question of the interrogation is, you're Midwest guy, Des Moines, Chicago, and now Denver. So Iowa doesn't have a team. So is it Bears or Broncos? Oh, Broncos. I've converted here. Although, really, I'm a baseball guy. Okay, so is it Rockies or Cubs? Cardinals, buddy. Cardinals. Wow, you went off the board. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, which city has the best food? Uh, Des Moines, Chicago, or Denver? Oh, Chicago without a doubt. Oh, man, the only thing I miss from Chicago, I don't miss the traffic. So, there's a few people maybe, but I do not. I, I miss the food so much. It is just... Denver is a little bit vanilla. It doesn't necessarily have its own culinary identity like Chicago does. And you can't, you probably can get ethnic food here, but it's not the same as like driving down to, you know, somewhere in Chicago and picking up euros or something. Right. Although in the last six years, I think uh, brownies and gummies have become pretty popular. <laughs> we have a different kind of, yes, that's true. You're right. <laughs> All right. Question number three, um, biggest regret in life. Oh man. Okay. Um, the best advice I never took was a friend, a, a guy named Guy uh, was living below me. He was a seminary student and I was going into college, going to do a degree in biblical studies. And he said to me, listen, do you want to be a pastor? I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to go to seminary? I said, yeah. He goes, don't study biblical studies right now. 
I was like, what? I'm so excited. Like I just got there. I get to study what I want to study. And he said, uh, nope. He goes, study business or marketing. Those two things will help you. And uh, he's right. I wish I would have done that partly because I would have um, had some experience to get a job in those fields um, to kind of advance my skills um, and not get stuck in the financial world so quickly. Um, but also because I actually really love it. And kind of one of the things I'm doing now is developing my marketing ability. Mm-hmm. I could have had a 20 year head start. Okay. God is um, good, though. I want to say that. God is good. He's faithful. Maybe I'm where I need to be in the training because it will turn out to be really valuable, but I kind of wish I'd listen to him. Awesome. All right. Question number four. Uh, so far, your favorite interview that you've done for your podcast? Oh, the favorite person that I've, I've interviewed? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is a great question. There are so many. Um, and they're all good in their own way. Um, one of my favorite ones was I got to interview John Schlitt. Do you know who he is? No, I don't. You're too young. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you remember Petra at all? I remember the name. Yeah. Heard of Petra? Right. Heard of them. Uh, Christian rock band uh, from. Um, okay. Eight, so Petra. 90s, right? what, what, sorry. You kind of froze there for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, I was saying the Petra was a eighties and nineties rock band. Christian exactly. Rock band. Exactly. They were an 80s and 90s rock band. So, um, they, but I was into them like back in the day. I really loved Petra. And so I reached out and last year, last May, I got to interview and publish an, an interview with John Schlitt, their lead singer. And his story was amazing. He was from, I think he was, I can't remember, Indiana or Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he, um, story is just, it's so cool. He, he got thrown out of a rock band head east which is kind of regionally famous in the midwest and he like he got how do you get thrown out of a rock band for doing too much cocaine like a secular rock band? <laughs> like that's a lot of cocaine right so it was just it was just astounding so he eventually finds jesus you can listen to the episode if you want um so if i had to choose one that one was kind of my favorite because i just thought it was great episode number 100 I'm cheating here, but it was also great because um, it sort of summarized a lot. That was with Aaron Nequist and uh, his book that was, I think, really influential. Very nice. Okay. uh, Going back to the series, what's your biggest fear in life? Mm. (laughs) So the weird thing about Enneagram 4s is that we want to be included, but unique. And so my biggest fear um, for a long time has been like, I just don't want to waste my life. I don't, I don't want to, to just have lived and nobody have it not matter. Like my family is great, but I, I need to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if I don't, I, I just don't, I don't know that it bugs me, you know? Gotcha. So the uh, opposite of that would then be, what's your greatest accomplishment? Mm. Well. I think definitely having a family um, that is reasonably well adjusted um, and and growing up is is a huge accomplishment. Um, that's sort of a cop out answer, so I'm, I'll give you another one. But I I really think the podcast is my favorite accomplishment. When I started it, I remember I started had 13 episodes, and I thought to myself, after I scheduled them all, so I had them all like I launched with three, and I had 10 weeks, and I thought to myself, you know what? If I died right now, I would be okay. I, I could. I could go, okay, I've, I've did something that people will benefit from going forward, even if I never make another one. 
Um, and now we're going to publish episode 150 next week. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So I feel like I've added something to the spiritual formation conversation. If you listen to it, your trust in God will grow. I know mine has. And um, I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's good. Awesome. And final question. What's your uh, dream interview, living or dead? Uh, who would you want to interview most? Oh, living or dead. That is Jesus a great is question. too easy. No, it is, yeah, he is. Um, man, that, I love that question. Let's see. I've been lucky recently to get some people who are, all, who are on my list recently and, and get them on. Um, the, the dead part throws me a little bit of a curveball. Living, I'm looking, so I'm actually think I'm going to book Oz Guinness, who I was talking about earlier. I um, think I'm going to get a chance to interview him, which will be cool. Um, I really want to interview Jenny Allen, who's, who's the if, the leader of if. Um, and there's a few other people. Okay, I got one who's dead. Dallas Willard. If I could interview anybody, I would love to interview Dallas Willard because his work was also super influential for me. Now, uh, as somebody that uh, has to plead ignorance, who is Dallas Willard? Oh, man. Dallas Willard uh, was a writer, a philosopher, and a theologian who um, wrote a book. His most famous book was called The Divine Conspiracy. I'm trying to look for it. It's over here. Um, really good. The one that I liked the most was a book called The Spirit of the Discipline. So I had to do this project where I was studying... It was actually a physical education class. They made you do this in college, one in your senior year. And I did a paper on spiritual disciplines because it connected to what I wanted to do, but then also connected to the, the body thing. And I read that book hoping it would give me some like tips for spiritual formation, but it didn't. It gave me the theology of the spirit of the disciplines, why they're there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess I should have known, but um, I loved it. It just changed, literally changed my life. Um, it also, he had a, there in the back, there's an appendix called, uh, is discipleship for super Christians only, which had appeared in, um, Christianity today as an article that just blew my mind because I had grown up with this idea that, you know, I was thinking if I pursue discipleship, I'm really being serious about my faith, which is kind of true. But the reality is if you're a Christian, you are a disciple. Mm-hmm. That was his point. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. There is no, there are no levels. Your job is to is to pursue Jesus, no matter whether you're a pastor, or a missionary, or a you know just regular person who doesn't do ministry for a living. Um, that astounded me and really set me on this kind of course of spiritual formation going forward. Awesome. Well, that is the end of the interrogation. You made it out alive and okay in one piece. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Eric Nevins, where can we find you online? Where would you want people to go to find the podcast and everything else? Yeah. You know, the best way to find me is just to go to ericnevins.com. You can also go to halfway there podcast.com, which is, uh, where the archives are. So you can look at, I create a custom picture for every single episode. You can look at those and, uh, and see, see show notes. And then, um, if you want to listen, give us a, subscribe in iTunes or Spotify where we're kind of wherever podcasts are sold. Wait, is that a thing? They're not sold wherever they're given away. 
Well, some are sold. <laughs> I, I think that some are monetized that way, but uh, sounds good. Uh, I definitely have a lot of catching up to do because we just connected in, uh, in the last few weeks. So a lot of uh, podcasts to listen to. And I, I work a very boring job. No offense to my boss if he listens. So I get a lot of podcast listening time in during the day. So uh, uh, halfway there is definitely uh, on the list. And uh, Eric uh, Evans, thank you so much for coming on the Gifts of Glory podcast. Uh, I'll give you the final word. Hey, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Friends, I hope that uh, this was helpful. Um, whatever, wherever you are in your journey, just embrace it. The Lord is with you. Well, that's it. Thank you so much to my brother, Eric Nevins. Find his links here in the show notes and also look for the Halfway There podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to join us next week for more great conversations. And also be sure to look up previous episodes you may have already missed. I've got a lot of great conversations here on the Kids of Glory podcast with more on the way. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon on the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God using their gifts for His glory. It takes thousands of hours to become an astronaut. Right, Nina? Oh, I'm not an astronaut. I'm a design consultant at the Container Store. But you explore space. I help you find space with our Alpha Closet systems. And you're an expert. Pretty good at it. And you use satellites to communicate. I'm doing more virtual in-home closet designs, but I wouldn't say... We salute you, astronaut Nina, for helping us find space. You're welcome. The Alpha Sales Bonus is here. Earn up to $500 in credit now through February 7th at the Container Store, where space comes from.